What is up, my friends and fellow busy bees? I'm gonna apologize in advance today. I hope you can't hear it in my voice, but I am quite sick. So if I sound a little bit like I'm talking through my nose, it's because I am. My sinuses hate me right now. But the podcast must go on. Today, I wanted to walk you through one of my latest custom projects that I worked on because it was just a cool project in general, something a little bit different, but something I was really proud of and how it turned out. And there was also some good kind of business lessons along the way that I think are helpful to point out and for people who are looking to sell their own pieces and run their own business doing furniture refinishing. I thought it might just be interesting to hear how this all goes down and how I navigate these situations. So if you are someone that's been following me on Instagram and watching my stories, you may have seen some sneak peeks of this custom project, but I had a client reach out with a big, beautiful, vintage, roll-top secretary desk. I'm not sure when it is from. She said it was a family heirloom that's been passed down, and I would estimate that it's it's nearly an antique just from what I saw of how it was constructed and knowing kind of the era that those styles of desks were popularized and the way that the roll top is constructed. It was like the old school kind of like yarn through the wood slats to make it kind of come together. So I'm assuming it was kind of like 1930s-ish, but that's just a vague guess. Beautiful solid wood piece regardless with some carved wooden handles on the drawers and just a really solid piece. Like two people carrying it, it was a very heavy piece and that's coming from someone who moves furniture around by herself all day every day. This client submitted an inquiry for custom work through my custom intake form. And this is something I've been talking about a lot lately, but I find it so helpful for me and my business. It is a form where I can send one link to someone or market this link widely so that people who are interested in getting custom work done from me can just go to this form. They can submit everything. It goes through all the questions that I would need answered in order to provide an informed estimate. And it's all the stuff that I would be going back and forth with a client asking them questions about typically and previously to integrating this into my business. And it's just all in one spot. I can send the link out. The client at their leisure can go through and submit the form. They can attach photos of the piece and any inspiration photos that they have to this form. It's super useful. And I have recently put together a guide going over everything you need to do to put together one of these forms for yourself and your business. It walks you through the technology side and where to click and what to do. It walks through all of the questions that I include on my form and why I think they're important to have and just takes you from A to Z through the whole process. If you would like to grab that for yourself, you can go to meldidatherself.ca slash custom dash guide. It will also be linked in the show notes of this episode. But this client went through, submitted the request, and I sent off an estimate to her. I actually don't know how she came across me and my business because I do have a portion in the intake form where I ask where people heard about me just for my knowledge and It's just helpful information to know if I should lean into a certain source, if I see that people are often coming from a certain avenue, like from Instagram or Facebook or an interview that I do or something like that. But she chose other and didn't add any further details. So I actually don't know for this one, but she had this desk and at the time said that she was interested in a dark brown stain along with a polyurethane and that she was unable to bring the item to me or rent a vehicle to bring it to me. 
She also included some photos of the piece, which was great because there was a lot of details on this piece in terms of the roll top portion of the desk that I would need to be sanding down and staining, as well as the cubby system that was inside and the drawers, which were in pretty bad shape. So that was helpful information for me to have when putting together the estimate because I knew it wouldn't be just like a quick, flat, scrape it down, sand it quick, stain it, and she's done. This was going to require a little bit of blood, sweat, and hopefully no tears. So I put together an estimate, also taking into account the fact that I would need to be providing transport for this piece. And when I do so, I'm taking into account the cost of the vehicle that I'm going to need to rent to transport the piece, as well as like my time that's going to have to be invested. So this client lived about 45 minutes from my house. I rent a van from Home Depot in order to do this kind of thing. And I honestly don't always offer it as an option. This was a really cool project that I was really interested in taking on. So I added in the delivery fee, which actually ended up not quite covering the amount that I was charged for the van because it ended up taking longer to do the back and forth and pick up and drop off and everything. So that was a lesson learned on my end. If ever I need to pick up and drop off in her general area again, now I'll know how long it takes to do that. But that's something that you're really going to want to take into account and know ahead of time before you provide an estimate is whether or not you're going to be the one that's having to pick up that piece because it's obviously much easier if a piece is just delivered to you, it's sitting in your garage, you work on it, and then they come and they take it away in a timely manner but make sure that you are charging extra for that transportation because like I said, it's the cost of potentially renting a vehicle if you don't already have a truck or van. It's the gas and added wear and tear on that vehicle. And it's also your time that could be used in the workshop. So in the way, if you would pay yourself an hourly rate when you're refinishing the furniture and this person lives a half an hour away from you, that's going to be a half an hour there to pick it up and a half an hour back. So add that hourly rate on there and then some for the gas and the wear and tear. Because at this point of providing the estimate, you are saying this is what it would cost to do this project and the person can say they're no longer interested and that's fine. But I always recommend throwing out a number that feels like it makes sense. It feels good to you. You feel good about taking that project on for that amount of money because if it is for pennies and you're doing all of this work and then you may potentially run into some hiccups along the way as well, you're going to have a lot of frustration and you're going to feel really resentful about that project, which you don't want because that is what ends up in people no longer offering custom work for the most part because they didn't set themselves up for success. So I sent over the estimate and the client got back to me and said, I'm going to get my mom to pay for this. I'm just trying to work out the details. I'll get back to you. So mom reaches out to me and she actually lives in the US, which was something new for me to navigate in terms of accepting payments, because typically I accept an e-transfer or cash as payment. I've also offered PayPal in the past when it kind of made sense or when someone preferred it. But Keep in mind if you are doing that, that there's going to be a service fee and they may take a percentage depending on the payment processing software that's being used. But mom reaches out, said she's going to be providing the payment and asked if it was possible for her to mail me a check, which I would honestly typically say is fine. I have accepted checks in the past. I find with older generations, it's something that they're more used to doing. So for custom work, I've definitely accepted it. But it was more the check getting to me and getting to me in a timely manner that I just didn't want to roll the dice on. So I actually didn't feel great about that option. And I offered instead a couple alternatives, one of which being 
PayPal. So I said I could send a request to you via PayPal and you could pay via that medium if that feels better for you. And she actually came back with a suggestion that she just send the money to her daughter and then her daughter could send an e-transfer to pay on her behalf, which ended up working out great. And that's what we did. But business lesson there is that if you do not feel comfortable with something that someone is suggesting, feel free to have boundaries around that and to offer a couple other options that may work for the client and have some flexibility and be willing to work with them a bit until you can find something that's mutually beneficial. But if they're offering to do some sort of thing that you've never done before and you don't have that account and you'd have to sign up for this and it feels weird and stressful, they may think that that's the easiest option, but you may have other options that are much easier and feel better for you. So feel free to offer that out. I always recommend offering a couple things because then it gives them some choice, but it's good to have those boundaries and it can help you from getting into some trouble in those scams that we talked about, I believe it was last week, maybe two weeks ago on the podcast on Facebook Marketplace and other online platforms. They're getting tricky, so you could find yourself in one of those situations if you're not holding your ground a little bit as well. So just keep that in mind. So on the day of, I went to pick up the piece. It was great. And I made sure that my husband was there when I was dropping it off because I knew she was going to be a big piece and I got to work on it. I first cleaned it thoroughly and then the client actually said when I was there picking up the piece that she wanted to go lighter with the piece. And for me personally, when somebody wants a piece stained a certain color, I don't go into such detail when I offer the estimate as like saying, okay, I'm going to use this color of stain and it's going to look exactly like this and show them like a a photo off of Google, like an early American stain on pine wood. This is the color that it will be because wood species can vary so much. And depending on how old or new the wood is, it can take the stain differently, how dry it is. And also the fact that it can look a certain way currently, but once you scrape that finish back, that wood can look completely different. So I like to get any photos I can of other pieces that they're trying to coordinate with in the client's home. In this case, the client sent me a photo of her flooring, I believe I saw, or she explained it to me, I can't remember. So I had an idea of what we were trying to match the the vibe of, the look of, but I don't get so into the weeds at that point because A, the client may not care, like really what they care about is the end result. So I'll check in with them to make sure the color is what they had in mind as we go. But I don't worry about providing like the explicit name of the stain and things like that at that point in the process. And also there's been times when a client thinks they want a certain thing and we've gone in that direction, but it didn't look exactly as we had planned on it looking, but it ended up looking great and they actually loved it once they saw it on that piece and saw it all come together. So sometimes you do need to trust the process a little bit. I mean, the client is always right. If they don't love it, you got to change it to make it how they want it. But also keep in mind that sometimes people just don't know or they don't have the brain that's able to look at a swatch and picture it, how it's actually going to look on this piece that they have that's a completely different color right now. So I told her we'd go lighter and I would check in once we got that initial finish taken off because if the piece was more pink in tone, I said that it could end up looking or I should say red in tone, like if it was one of those deeper kind of bleedier woods, like a mahogany or something underneath the finish, then it could end up looking a little bit pink once we lightened it, which she actually was down for. She loved pink. She had beautiful pink makeup on and it seemed like that was her vibe. So she was happy to do that, she said, which is amazing, super helpful. 
but I said we would touch base. And one thing looking back, if I could have asked for some inspo pics from her of like what she envisioned when she said lighter, that would have been a helpful thing for me to get just because lighter for one person may be different than lighter for someone else. You don't necessarily know how light they're envisioning. Or even if you say like whitewashed or something like that, there's different layers to it and different styles to it. Some people do it really lightly. Some people do more of a tan wash, but they refer to it as a white wash. So I think having photos to demonstrate what people are envisioning or what they hope that will result in the piece looking like is a really helpful thing to get. Unless you have a client that is just like, go hard, I trust your vision. This is the room it's going in. Do what you think would work best. So I went through and I scraped down this whole desk. It took well over a week of consistently working on it. Definitely a lot of love put into this piece, but it was looking so good. The wood was in much better condition than I had anticipated. It definitely had a bit of a rustic worn look to it still, but a lot of the imperfections and the wear that was on that initial finish got scraped away, which was perfect. So she looked aged, but the bones were good and everything was nice and sturdy, which is kind of all you want when it comes to these antique older pieces that are solid wood. So I sent her a photo of the piece and a little hack if you didn't already know. I took a damp microfiber cloth and wiped it on the surface of the wood that was scraped and sanded down and sent her a photo and I said this is what it's looking like right now. That wet patch is what it would look like if we just added a top coat to it as is and kept it bare because if it's raw wood and it's sanded down it can look a lot lighter than it actually would once that wood has been sealed so it can look exactly how you want it but then if you're gonna be adding a wax or a polyurethane to it that will deepen the color a little bit so just a heads up on that. So I said this is what it would look like if we added a top coat in but if you are interested in going lighter I have this stain it's called white linen made by Verithane. I can add a layer of that on and it will make it even lighter and she said let's do it. So I went ahead and put that layer on for a bit of a, a whitewash but in a stain version. So it's oil-based and what I did with the stain was basically put it on. I didn't let it sit for too long and then I wiped it away and it just gave a little bit of lightening to that grain. It didn't look white, but it was definitely light, and the stain was retained a little bit more in some places compared to others. One thing I did not do was add a wood conditioner prior to applying the stain, and that was because we were going for more of that rustic look. So I did really want that stain to get into the wood follicles a little bit and into the grain and just highlight the rustic charm of the piece. And again, because you never know what people are envisioning versus what you actually do, because there was a lot of nooks and crannies on this piece, I just stained or stain washed the top part of the desk and sent an updated photo to her of that and said, this is what it's looking like so far. And she said, I love it. So I said, okay, perfect. Because if she was envisioning something else, then that's much easier to sand down and redo than having done the whole thing and she decides she doesn't like it. So another tip there, check in along the way and make sure things are going in the right direction. So then I went through and I did that to the whole piece. And now there were a couple different wood types, I guess, wood species in this desk. So there was a little bit of variation in how that stain looked along the way. And if there were any spots that were too opaque or looked a little bit more white, once that was fully dried, I went through and lightly sanded it all down, especially because the wood grain can get raised a little bit after you have the wet stain on it and then it dries. 
So I sanded everything back smooth once it was all dried and good to go. And it was all looking pretty much like the same tone that it had looked on the top piece. So I said, okay, perfect, we're good to go. Added a polyurethane and a satin finish, a water-based. And I was like, awesome, this is almost done. Another thing worth noting is when I reached out about the white linen stain wash is I also mentioned that I had sanded down the drawers inside, outside, the base of them because like I said, they were they were looking at about 100 years old. Those They were showing their wear. And I said I was able to clean them up a little bit, but the bases of the drawers are still looking a little bit bleh. Would you like to add a liner to it? And I sent some options of wrapping papers that I had on hand to use as drawer liners. She chose one of the botanical ones that looked great, especially against the whitewash color of the wood. And so I added those in. I shined up the hardware. There's like a little keyhole ornate hardware situation on the roll top. I just used a little bit of Barkeeper's Friend and some fine steel wool to clean that up. And it was looking shiny and beautiful. And I was like, amazing. This is almost done. We can take her home. And I got ahead of myself because what should you do before you add top coat? You should touch base with the client and make sure it's looking how it's supposed to look. So I reached out to her and I said, good news. She is looking great. She's ready to go home. Here's some photos. All excited and ready for her to be so happy. And she very politely replied back, hey, I'm just just wondering, like, it looks like it's maybe a little bit patchy. Is that just like the lighting or what do you think? And I was like, oh, and I went back and looked at it and granted I'm working under fluorescent lighting which is not always the best and I always like to do a second look in natural light in the daytime but of course this is the one time I did not do such a thing and I said oh or no she had said it just looks a little bit unfinished maybe we need to add a top coat to it or something and I said oh there actually is one already but let me take a look at it in the natural light tomorrow I'll send you some updated photos and we can go from there next day comes I open up the garage door I move that big beast on over to the light and I take a look at it and I am kind of horrified because it very much is patchy and there's some spots where basically the stain had sunk in a little bit more in some spots than others there are some spots where you could tell like it had gotten a lot of wear over the years so the wood probably was just in a different condition so it didn't take it quite as much and it it made it patchy and granted it may not have looked that much like it initially when it was stained but once the polyurethane was on there it really highlighted those differences and I looked at it and I was like I I simply cannot even take updated photos and send these to this woman because she is so correct right now and I was pretty embarrassed to be honest because that's something I should have done ahead of time I should have known to send the updated photos before we added in the poly but also maybe it wouldn't have shown as much until the poly was on it anyways whatever who knows I got to work immediately sanding back that poly and getting through that finish and going through and adding a second layer of stain on and I sent her an updated email I said you were so right once I saw it in the daylight it was definitely looking patchy I'm gonna go through and add another layer of the white linen on and I'll send some updated photos later today I apologized for it and she said okay great can't wait Later that day, once I was able to do that, I sent photos over and said, here's how it's looking so far. Let me know if you like it as is, or I can definitely go more opaque with it and make it even lighter. And she said, it's looking amazing. That's exactly what I envisioned. Like, this is great. Go ahead and add the finish on, which made me so happy because, you know, you're always kind of holding
holding your breath as you wait for that response to come in because like you think you're doing it right but then you don't know and you always second guess yourself I still do it too and evidently I still make mistakes as well which is why I wanted to share it here today but she was happy with it she said go ahead top coat it so I waited the 24 to 48 hours for that stain to fully sink in went through added polyurethane and it just finished it off beautifully it looked the same color as it did when it was stained but just much more finished and sleek and she was ready to go home and so some business kind of related things that I wanted to point out in there again like I said I still fuck up so if ever something like this has happened to you I hope you know that you are not alone we can get ahead of ourselves and just get excited about the piece being finished but it's good to have that critical eye take a step back look at it in multiple different types of light that's something that's really important I know for me like I'm in a dark garage and then I just have this overhead light that goes in different directions but it is very fluorescent and ultimately the garage itself is pretty dark otherwise so making sure that I see it in all angles in that natural light is really important also the client is always right like whatever look they want on their piece is their prerogative in this case she was absolutely correct like it it did look bad in light and she was very smart to point it out but you know there could be a time where you think that it would look better a certain way but the client wants it some other way you can provide your insight and say in a polite way, if you're going for this kind of a look, may I suggest this? But if the client isn't interested in that and they have this vision that they want brought to life, that's what you're there for. So remember that as well. It's not your piece. It's not going in your home. Do what they want, essentially, and commit to doing what needs to get done to make it look like the client wants it to. And again, that's why those inspiration photos are great to have from the get-go because then you have an idea of where you're trying to get and there may be a more efficient way to get to that spot from the starting line if you know where you're trying to head, you know, versus like touching base along the way and changing the end goal as you go. And the liners, like I mentioned, the drawer bottoms weren't looking great. So on one hand, I have a certain understanding that these are pieces that have lived a life before and sometimes it's not going to be perfect looking. But at the same time, when a piece goes back to someone, I want it to look refreshed. I want it to look good and new. So I'm going to offer different options to ensure that that happens. And so those drawer bottoms were not looking great. One option would have been to switch the drawer bottoms out completely or because they were still, for the most part, in good shape structurally, just not aesthetically, I offered to do a liner. And to avoid any added costs on my end, I first suggested some supplies that I already had on hand from previous projects so that's a way to reduce any waste of things that I currently have and a way to avoid my profit margin going down by having to add more supplies to it than I had initially budgeted for and luckily it worked out there was something there that was interesting to her and so that's why I also like to pick up different liners when I see them around I find that in spring and summer is the time that I find a lot of them a lot of people really like floral liners or botanical looking ones also just like neutral ones with very sparse patterns and not a lot of color to them like it's nice to have a an array of different options that the masses may like I also love to have like 
some really impactful eye-catching ones as well because that's definitely a certain vibe as well that some people are interested in but having those on hand if you can find them for a great price while you're out and about for me I find a lot of my wrapping paper that I use as liners at home sense and there's just like one or two of them and they're there until they aren't kind of thing so I grab them as I go and it's usually about four or five dollars for a roll of wrapping paper which could be used for like a couple dressers or multiple sets of nightstands and things like that so it goes a long way for a very little price so I don't mind picking that up when I see it And other things you can use are things like fabrics, wallpapers, peel and stick wallpaper, stationery. You can get creative with that. But that's a nice added touch. And, you know, it added a little bit of pizzazz when you open up those drawers that they weren't even initially looking for. So I think that's a nice option to offer. And also be really thorough in your refinishing of pieces. For example, this desk, like I said, it was all solid wood. So everything was up for grabs in terms of being refinished. So the drawers, like I mentioned, the drawer bottoms, the sides of the drawers, they all got thoroughly sanded out to get refreshed. The back of the piece I also did. You assume that it's going to be pushed up against a wall, but you never know, and that gives them the option to have the piece sitting out in a room as well, either now or in the future. And the underneath of a piece as well, it may be tipped on its side to get moved around the house and stuff like that, and you don't want a client to see that the bottom or the underside of where the drawers will get pushed in, for example, hasn't been addressed. So just make sure that you're thorough with all those nooks and crannies because maybe they'll never notice it, but if they do, they're probably going to appreciate that you had that attention to detail. And as a business owner, I'm always looking to add some unexpected delight into the pieces for my clients, which is why I also include things like a thank you note with the piece and extra paint if it's a painted piece in case touch-ups are ever needed. Just those little things that show that I really thought about the client experience and I'm doing my best to make it as good as I can. And something you may not know about me, I love little motivational messages. They always get me fired up and I keep a running list of ones that are especially catchy or speak to me in the notes app on my phone. And I end every podcast episode with one that I've noted down over the years in hopes that you leave our time here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is, A diamond doesn't start out polished and shining. It once was nothing special, but with enough pressure and time becomes spectacular. So if you are running a business offering custom furniture refinishing, or you are trying to learn how to flip furniture pieces, or you are starting a new hobby that you're trying to take on for the new year, or you've started a new job, but you feel like you don't really know what you're doing right now, anything that you are attempting to do and you are attempting to perfect but you are feeling lesser than or like an imposter, like you don't know what you're doing but you're trying really hard, just remember that those diamonds do not start out looking like they end up on our finger. They're at first dull and they look lifeless but they get that pressure added to them and over time they become brilliant and sparkling. But you have to be consistent in working those stones, in working that craft, in working that skill, in perfecting yourself and your business practices over time. The only way you're going to learn is by doing and by fucking up every once in a while. 
and doing what you can to make things right when it happens. But it's so important to just persevere and maintain that consistency and not let it get you down along the way because the only way that you're going to end up like that sparkly shining diamond in the end is by putting in that time and putting in that work and developing yourself and remaining resilient along the way. So remember that a diamond doesn't start out polished and shining. It was once nothing special, but with enough pressure and time, it becomes spectacular. And so will you, my friend. All right, that's it for now. I appreciate your time. I will catch you guys next week, hopefully much less sick. Talk to you then.